I think, Johnny, if I had to sum up this show, I would say it's a show about love. Do you agree? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Love is what it's all about. Hello, and welcome to Johnny and Tiggy Walker Consciously Coupling. Now, in this podcast, we're going to be chatting to other couples and finding out how they met. Who did the wooing, or who wooed who. Whether they faced any struggles together. And the triumphs and the joys that they've had. We'll hear about the songs that they love, that they share, and maybe some that they don't. And it's all with thanks to our partner, the Velvetizer, from Hotel Chocolat. Barista-grade drinking chocolate at home. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to get a new episode every Wednesday. Right, let's get started. Let's. Now, uh, to this week's edition of the podcast, um, we're talking to a fascinating couple, Claire Balding and Alice Arnold. Have you ever met them, Johnny? I've met Claire a couple of times at some Radio 2 events. Uh, I've never met Alice, I don't think. Well, she was never a Radio 2 girl, very much a Radio 4 girl, wasn't she? Yeah. But um, I'm very excited to meet them both, as I never have. I hope I'm not nervous. I don't think I will be, because Claire is just so enveloping, isn't she? And I'm fascinated to see, um, you know, with Alice, how, how she deals with just how busy Claire is. Because there was one stage when she seemed to be the busiest presenter in the country. Yeah. And today it's going to be very interesting to see who speaks the most, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it will. It's, it's always Alice. fascinating. It's always fascinating. It's a test of a couple, really. Is if you meet one half of a couple on their own and then you see them again with their partner, whether they behave differently. You know, whether the fact their partner's around inhibits the way that they are or whether they're just the same. Do you? I think we're pretty much the same. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm probably <laughs> a little. I'm. I'm probably a little bit more more well behaved around you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Left to you when you're on your own. I think oh, you. Yes. I let. I let rip. You Johnny. do let rip a bit more. Yeah. Mm. Why is that? You shouldn't do that. You should be yourself. Because I think when we're out at things, most of my concern is, are you okay? Because you do have a low boredom threshold. And I think I spend most of my time worrying if you're going to just walk out, which you've done on many an occasion. Or fall asleep. Or fall asleep. So I think <laughs> I, you, you, I'm, I'm a little less anxious when yeah. I'm on my own. Right. Although today, I have to tell you, yeah. having you here makes me feel a lot less anxious. Well, good. That's good to know. That's very good to know. Because <laughs> you're quite good at this. Yeah. Well, I think it's time we introduce ourselves to Claire and Alice. And I think so chat. too. I think so too. Claire and Alice, hello and welcome to our podcast. How are you? We're okay, actually. Yeah, we're all right. Surviving. Surviving. Enjoying lockdown? Not anymore, no, because I've done my ankle in, so I can't do my exercise anymore. And it's cold and dark. No, I think um, this third time round has grim for everybody, isn't it? And, and we're really lucky and we've got pets and nice warm house and we're still struggling with it so for people in much less fortunate positions than we are I really feel for them I think this one's been really difficult Alice was better when the golf course was open since the golf course has been shut she's really struggled so thank you very much for taking part and our first question that we ask everyone is how did you meet 
Well, we met through the BBC being the vast organisation that it is um, years and years ago. And we were friends, first of all. Um, I was fairly convinced that I might one day persuade Alice to go out with me, but she de definitely didn't think that at all. No, I didn't. No, no, she she had she had to take quite a while to convince me, um, but uh, uh, she she was very persistent, and uh, and got there in the end. And she was right. She was right. We were made for each other. But that's the amazing thing because researching you, Alice, you said that Claire didn't tick any of the boxes at all. No, 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 that's right, she didn't. Um, she was in the media for a start, which was my first big red flag of I did not want that um, because I didn't want to be looking after someone and nurturing their enormous ego. Um, but I didn't know someone could be in the media and be um, really actually easy, to, easy to, to be with. And Claire, well, she may have an ego, but it's it certainly doesn't get in the way of her just being a lovely person so um and she doesn't take a lot of cosseting and looking after she she wears it easily I would say her success so um I just send her out the door I've no idea what she's doing and she comes back and she might have some supper or might not but um she she does what she does and occasionally you read a book I've written occasionally occasionally not, not always no. <laughs> no I've read some of her books <laughs> no I have but um but uh, yeah, so she didn't tick any of the boxes. She actually had a list up on the fridge of reasons why not to get involved with me. I did. I hope that's down now. A different <laughs> fridge. Different <laughs> fridge. It was a, it's a <laughs> whole new kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> it was a it was a long time ago. We've been together for eighteen years. So yeah, yeah. Well, you have, and in that time, I mean, Claire, your success has grown and grown and grown. So while you were in the media when you met, you then became stratospheric. I mean, you are on the, you know, you know you're a, a national treasure status. <laughs> you know, that those words are banded around about you. So has that been hard for you, Alice, that Claire has, her presence is so big now? Oh, no, I, it's wonderful for me. I mean, that, gosh, I've never even thought if that would be hard for me. Um, no, I, it's, um... It's fantastic, and uh, people, just... people are very nice to me, and that and that always helps. And kids, particularly, kids will come up and chat to me, and I love that. I mean, you get a bit bored sometimes when I'm still talking to them an hour later. Yeah, I mean, I think 2012 obviously was the turning point, and and uh, we went on a little holiday to Devon between the Olympics and the Paralympics and Claire hadn't been reading any of the press and in fact she was living over in East London for the Olympics so you didn't really know what was going on but I of course was looking at Twitter and seeing the press and I was thinking god this is this is going rather well for her um but Claire was totally unaware of it and we stopped to get petrol on our way to Devon and I remember walking into I I paid for it Claire likes to save time so I paid for the petrol while she filled the car up and uh, that she was on the front page of about three of the newspapers and magazines and things in the shop. And when I came out, she was surrounded by people wanting to talk to her as she was filling the car up. And I thought, OK, she's going to need her baseball cap when we go for a walk now because um, she's her recognisability um, had 
had gone stratospheric as you say but in a lovely way I mean it was the happiest year yeah. it was just everything just fell into place beautifully and and it was yeah we look back at 2012 as just being for both of us the absolute dream year but the but the thing that's interesting is that nothing really changed I wasn't I'm not suddenly doing a different job we're not living in a different house we still live in the same house we did then um I do I would wear a baseball cap anyway because my hair's pretty unruly and I and it's not I haven't become a different person I didn't have to move away I didn't have to change jobs dramatically I mean I'm freelance so you're very dependent on being on vogue as it were and people you know liking you but actually what I do and the way in which I do it I've always believed very strongly in working on that on the professional side of it I believe in being good to work with I like embracing technology and trying to improve in that sense and and learning from listening and watching other people yeah, and I think, do you remember somebody warned you? And oh, then, I know, it was and sort of, Ricky Gervais. Yeah. No, it wasn't, Gervais, you don't say who it was, but somebody warned you and said, oh, you know, things will be so different now and financially and everything. And I think, as Claire said, our lives have not essentially changed at all. We'd already moved into the house of our dreams, really, and we might have done it up a couple of times, but it's it's we, we haven't changed anything. We don't suddenly have chauffeurs taking us all over the place we don't suddenly have staff or PAs or any of that I mean our life is is really no different to how it how it how it was Mm. I don't think so Claire Alice was a bit reluctant at the beginning so how did you win around persistence Johnny I just wouldn't give up and I was so convinced I just thought right this is the person I want to grow old with I said that to one of my friends actually and um I just thought I've got to I've got to convince her. So I probably tried a bit too hard early on, you know, and and then I don't know whether I don't know quite what made the difference. No, something happened. Did I get you a nice jumper from Ireland? No, we went skiing on oh, the dry yeah. ski slope and I, I don't no, like... No, it wasn't dry, it was indoor, it was snow. It was indoor. Anyway, yeah. I don't like skiing. I find it very scary and you wanted to take me skiing and you were really kind and I thought... That was, that was, I remember that being a bit of a moment. Yes. Anyway, I was just persistent, that's all. But mainly persistent. Claire said that, um, sorry, Alice said she didn't want to nurse somebody with a massive ego. Um, You need an ego if you're going to be on TV, don't you, Claire? You've got to have, I mean, an ego is confidence, really, isn't it? Oh, I think they're quite distinct. I do think you need confidence and I think you need to believe in yourself and know when you're good and when you're not and why you're not if you do make a mistake but I don't think you have to think you're better than anyone else and I think that's what ego is I think ego is when you walk into a room and you literally think you're the most important person in there Um, and And you expect people to treat you differently and stuff and you certainly don't have any of that well you wouldn't let me so no (laughs) I quite happily behave like that but you won't have it But actually, I think that's why you're such a popular broadcaster, because people know that you're, you are what you say on the tin. You're trustworthy, you're honest, you're likeable. You're very similar to you, Johnny, actually, because people really trust you on the radio. And it's amazing how audiences taste and sense these things. But I also, I suspect you're quite like Alice and you wouldn't have it if he did suddenly want, you know, silk sheets. You are damn right. And caviar for breakfast. <laughs> But also, I mean, both, you know, Claire and Johnny's success is based on um, a skill and knowledge and intelligence and 
it's not based on 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 looks or or well sorry but you know what i mean it's not a fleeting fly by night success that's based on being fashionable yeah, being, yeah yeah being yes it's based on on something real i suppose um claire i remember when you got your bafta your special bafta award and i remember you saying i just i couldn't do this without team balding and I, I was really touched the way you said that, and you definitely meant it. And I wondered, Alice, are you team balding, or is there a bigger team? Oh no, there's a bigger team. There's, there's, there's the balding family, um, who are wonderful. And um, I have a very small family, and 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 have lost both my parents since I've been with Claire. And the bald, so the balding's kind of even before actually, but it enveloped my small family and wrapped us up and took us to Christmas and and still do so I feel very much part of the balding clan but I mean Claire means with team balding is is her parents and her brother and sister-in-law and the nephews and niece who give her fantastic sort of inspiration and 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 love and support and so yeah it's a it's 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 all the baldings. But talking of team balding at the head I suppose would be your father who was a bit old-fashioned, was he not, when it comes to women being independent and doing jobs that men traditionally have done? I mean, he didn't think he would get on as a TV presenter, did he? I don't think it had occurred to him. And and then when it did, he thought it was all wrong. I mean, it's like, well, you, you know, but women can't do that. And he was very, you know, straightforward about it, would... would and yet then terribly proud when I did. And that's why when they both came and they came that night to the BAFTAs and sat with us, I really wanted them to be there. And Dad was so proud. And when we had dinner afterwards, Michael Palin was at our table, wasn't he? And he was, Mum was really chuffed about that. But Dad just, he really loves it when people say to him, oh, she's good, and yes, and he gets all proud and goes, yes, 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 she is. Having spent all of my, you know, childhood and my 20s thinking, well, you, how can you possibly know? Well, not, not how can you, he never underestimated my intelligence. He just underestimated the world in, in, but you know, this is the man that said to the Queen after Margaret Thatcher got elected, I, I'm, it'll take a while to, to get used to a woman running the country. He said that to the Queen. And, you know, that, that, that's a, a little insight. So I kind of, I've always taken it with a pinch of salt and used it really as inspiration and motivation to, to prove anyone who thinks that wrong, that their, their daughters, their sisters, their aunt, their mother, their grandmother can, can do anything. When your dad's in the winner's enclosure, um, because a horse he's trained as one, presumably you've had to interview him. Yeah, I have. And and then when my brother took over the licence, which he did in 2003, he promptly went and won the Oaks, which is one of the big races of the year at Epsom. And I was doing the interview and, and I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. I mean, I, we all were in floods of tears. It was such a big deal. And dad had never won the Oaks and Andrew's done it in his first year of training. And my brother always cries when I cry and vice versa. And I, and I said something fairly straightforward, like, you know, you've won the Oaks, well done, and just held the microphone. And he looked at me and went, is that a question? <laughs> just say something for God's sake. Don't ask me whether that's a question or not. I can't speak. Um, so, yeah, it was. And then dad started crying and my mother was shaking her head at me saying, don't you bring that microphone near me. <laughs> 
But Alice was there that day as well with a whole load of yeah, mates. One of my, yeah, one of my first trips racing. I thought, oh, is it always like this? <laughs> <laughs> Alice, I want to ask you because, I'm, I mean, obviously we remember when you were doing the news and continuity on Radio 4. And then you stopped in 2012, I think. Mm-hmm. I get the impression, and I could be completely wrong here, I get the impression that you did that so that you could support Claire more because she was so busy. Would that? Would I be right in that? No, not really. Um, I mean, that was an advantage and it was lovely. It was part, you know, part of realising that there were a lot of opportunities that we were going to, that I was missing because I was doing shifts. So... Claire would be invited to some wonderful dinner and I couldn't go either because I had an early shift or a late shift and, you know, shift work is tough. Um, I'd wanted to do some other things anyway, um, so I was kind of thinking of going part-time um, and that wasn't made possible for me, um, which was a shame, but anyway, it wasn't. <laughs> and, um, and also uh, my father at that point, was needing quite a lot of care and so looking back on it it was the perfect time because it meant that I could spend a lot more time going down and seeing him um, which I would have missed out on so in the end it worked really well and then what two years after that I was offered the job at at Magic Radio so which is ideal um, and absolutely perfect Um, lovely lovely team to work with um, there and uh, so yeah it all worked out for the best in the end. Claire, when you're on live TV, I've heard that Alice will actually send you text messages. And you see, there's a very old rule in radio that you never, ever criticise somebody on the air until after the show. Because if you get some sort of comment made about your show in the middle of doing it, it's not very helpful for the rest of the show. So what, what sort of text might Alice send? She might say, straighten up your collar because it's you've got one half folded down and, and quite often, I mean, not you'd hope a director might notice that, but sometimes they don't. Or you're what, pronouncing a word wrong yeah. or something. If, she, if I know there's a name and, she, and it's going to come up again and I know she's got it wrong, then I will tell her to say it right. Um, I would never say anything that that couldn't be corrected. So if she was on as you say I mean it's not helpful there's no point in me saying oh I didn't like that bit you just did because there's nothing she can do about that she's on live telly I would only ever text her to say either you look fantastic which you know to give her a boost and make her know she feel good um or as, as she says a tiny adjustment that she can make something better for the next link that she's going to do I would never ever say something negative that that was what would be there would be no point in that and just Kate and when I was doing radio two on a Sunday morning because I'm quite upbeat and I wake up and I'm awake straight away I'm like way I could be quite overexcited at seven o'clock on a Sunday morning and be speaking much too fast and I might just get a little text saying slow down not everyone's wide awake that kind of thing which is quite helpful because you don't realize sometimes that you're all buzzy and, and actually, that's not necessarily what people want. Claire, you do have phenomenal energy, don't you? Yeah, I have a lot of energy. And the weird thing is, because I now I no longer have a thyroid and the thyroid sort of, monitor, you know, it is your metabolism provider in a way. Um, the, the strange thing is my energy levels. I sleep a lot. I mean, I sleep a good nine hours every every night. Mm-hmm. And don't wake wake up until I brought a cup of tea. <laughs> um, but I 
I do, I mean, you know, good sleep is pretty important to me, but I have, I take thyroxine now and they've been lowering my levels every year and I keep thinking it's going to affect my energy and my output, but it hasn't yet. I mean, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm as frantic as I might have been for a while. Not at all. I mean, I'm not at all, but I need to exercise. So I go off on my walks every day and I listen to podcasts and, but I've gone from doing, you know, five or five or six jobs in a day sometimes to five or six in a fortnight. So it's it's considerably less now. <laughs> so what are you like early in the morning, Alice? Uh, well, I get up and get all my news. I'm a news junkie. So and, and I, I'm not really allowed to do that, especially at the moment too much because it's not good for me. But so my secret time of getting all my news is between seven and quarter past nine. And then I wake her up with a cup of tea. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, quarter past nine. I know uh, she does Don't sleep. She Don't sleeps you. a long time, but it's good. It's great. I wish I could sleep like that, but I, I don't. So um, and there's no urgency for me to get up at the moment. So uh, I don't have to. We have started going to bed later and later and getting up later because there's nothing to do. But the other thing about Alice in the mornings, and I did, re- and this is why it works quite well that I stay asleep. She doesn't really like me being around in the morning because I'm quite chatty. I don't like anybody being around in the morning. I, I like my couple of hours, absorb my news, have a really quiet time, drink my coffee, just me. Um, it's quite a good working time, thinking time for me. But no, I don't really, I, I certainly don't want somebody chatting to me. Do you argue at all? No, not really. Not really. No. I mean, it's we discuss a lot. We discuss everything. And if if there was something that needed to sort of be revisited and we hadn't quite found the solution, then I would say, let's go for a walk, wouldn't I? Yeah. but and we again, don't... Oh, and I have one, I do have a code word if... if, if Oh, if I misbehave in mm. public, but we don't have a no. I mean, no, no, not if you misbehave. If you no, be, no, if I really mean something and you're not listening. Yes, but we don't like when that door should have been taken off its hinges. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I know, <laughs> but we don't. Um, we don't argue. I mean, we don't. No. We never, never raise our voices at each other or bite or ever. I mean, we might bicker occasionally, and we usually laugh while we're doing it. I mean, we do. We don't. Honestly, we we laugh a lot at each other. But we don't have, we don't have, and some people, relationships thrive on, on, on fighting and that there's nothing wrong with that, or not you know, physical fight, but some relationships thrive, thrive on attention um, and ours doesn't and, and, and we're both glad about that. We're not, we're not um, mercurial people really. Um, Claire, I'd love to just go back to when you got your diagnosis of your thyroid cancer. Johnny and I have both been through different sorts of cancer and it made a profound difference to our relationship. You know, you're facing each other at your darkest time because I think whenever you're told that diagnosis, your immediate reaction is, oh my God, I'm going to die. Which, of course, in the majority of cases, happily, that isn't the case these days because of treatment being so uh, extraordinary. What did it do for your relationship together? Did it bring you closer together? Was it something you could discuss a lot? Yeah, and and I was so grateful that Alice could come with me because I didn't, and I don't know whether this was the same for you, but the doctor would say something, but as soon as they said cancer, I just stopped listening. I couldn't hear any of the rest of it. So luckily Alice was there and could either physically take notes or just remember. And she's very, her background is very medical. She's got a lot of medics in the family, so she could... She knew the right questions to ask. She knew who who to follow up with. Um, and I 
sort of my way of coping I'm afraid wasn't very sophisticated it was just pretend this isn't happening trust the treatment you know put the operations in so that it works for me with my sporting calendar and I can be back for Epsom and Wimbledon and <laughs> and then if it, if I have to have another operation or I have to have more treatment I can fit it in there just after the open golf and then I'll be back for Burley horse trials I mean literally that that's how I just went um but wh- where it really made a difference was for Alice's relationship with my mother that that because you two talked a lot didn't yeah, you because I didn't I really think... want to talk about it I wasn't very good at that no I think it was a very um bonding thing for for the family and my position in it in team building maybe um and and there was enormous respect from Claire's parents of my role in looking after Claire and um I remember I mean every Claire had various three operations actually but and every time I'd play golf with her father in the afternoon while Claire was in hospital we wouldn't we wouldn't talk about it we just played golf perfect and then I'd have dinner um, and with Emma and Claire's mother and then my phone would peep and I'd say she's awake I'm, I can go and I would just go straight off and and um, and it was it, yeah uh, there was a, mm. a strong bond which I think has lasted throughout really of respect from all of us and the role that we played for but Claire. That- and I think you 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 would have a really interesting insight on this because you've been there for each other. I think it's much harder for the person who's not the one who's ill. It is. Caring is very difficult because you can't be overly optimistic. You've got to be realistic, but you've also got to support. It's finding that right balance. That's what I find very difficult. Well, you can't share your fear with a person who you would share all your other fears with. I think actually once you're through all of it, and you get to the other side and you have your health back, it's an enormous privilege to have gone through that with somebody because the bonding, I think, that does go on when you have looked at, at uh, well, certainly death or, 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 you know, severe illness in the face, it really makes a huge difference to you afterwards. Mm. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> so when you... who There was a civil partnership in 2006 and who proposed to who? Oh, well, I'd been proposing for years, obviously. Um, (laughs) And she'd been saying no. And then eventually you gave you gave me a ring, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, I mean, it was one of those things which I think a lot of marriages are like that. When it's going to happen, it's so obvious that it's right and is going to happen that you did sort of ask me formally. But I mean, we knew we were. Well, we. We didn't know because civil partnership had only just come in, so we didn't have an option to to get married for the first. But it, it came in and and uh, three years after we'd been together, and so we were able to do it when we'd been together for four years because we didn't want to be, you know, make a media thing of it. We just wanted to, if we'd been really early on, we would have that would have been the story, and we didn't want that to be the story. So, um, so we it was four years in, which was perfect, really, mm. for us. But, of course, you know, being gay, we didn't have that option um, to do anything when we first got together for the first three years. There was nothing we could have done. And when it became something we could do, I think we both knew that we would do that because... And we upgraded it to marriage, and they backdate that, so we only have to remember the one date. So we only have to remember 2006. Claire's not meant to say upgraded. She actually rang up the registry office and said, we want to upgrade our civil partnership. I said, you can't say upgrade. But we did get married 
When did we get married? Well, that's what I can't remember. That's right. See, we don't even know. Because our civil partnership was a big party, big do at Chiswick House, 100, you know, 120 people or whatever. It was, a, it was a, the big the big proper thing. So when we got married, I didn't want to do, we didn't want to do all that again because we'd done it and it wasn't like anything. It, we just wanted the formal thing. So it was really quiet at a registry office in Richmond and we went to lunch at Wagamama's afterwards, didn't we? And we shopped did. in the sales. Mm-hmm. I mean, there really was, it was just, it was a piece of paper. Lovely woman who did it, but um, that was a piece of paper just affirming. And When, yeah. when you were uh, at the reception for your civil partnership, <clears throat> did you dance together? And if so, what was the song? No. No, we didn't. We had, we didn't we had do... someone come and play. Uh, we had a pianist. Actually, the... the and I sang a bit, but yes, we you didn't did dance. But because Alice, Alice can really sing. Um, I can't. Um, Claire can't. No, just in case. She's just repeating <laughs> that in case she didn't hear it. Um, uh, what the, the lovely thing about a same-sex wedding or sort of partnership is you don't have to follow any of the rules. So you don't have to go through hymns and you don't have the same, you know, you're not in church. You do, and there are none of the same traditions. So actually the first dance thing, we did give speeches. Alice stood on a chair for hers. It's, I'm not very tall. Um, <laughs> but we gave speeches. Um, and actually my brother spoke. Off, uh, he, oh, yeah, very briefly. I know, but we we made, asked him no, to. we didn't yeah. ask him to. It was, yes, as, as Claire said, you can make up your own rules. You know, we... we we hired Chiswick House and we had lots of lovely flowers and then we said to everybody, just take the flowers um, if you want them. And when we came back, when we looked at Chiswick House, we were the last people to leave and there was not a flower in sight. <laughs> and I was thrilled. I just yeah. thought, that's brilliant. They've all gone. And people remember taking these bowls of roses and things and, and still now say, oh, I remember I had a gorgeous flowers from your from your civil partnership. And I think that's fantastic. And we did have shots, didn't we? Uh, alcohol shots, which you stopped because I don't really drink. And Claire had to, I was I took it away them. from her. Yeah. Mm. She because said, you'll regret that. And then we went on to somebody's house who lived very nearby and there were some casualties. Several people fell off some decking and yeah, it all got it all got ugly after that. <laughs> in a great in a great way. But Do you have a special kind of song between you though? Is music important to either or both of you? Well, Alice has a massive musical background. Um I like my pop music, and as a child of the 80s, I particularly like, you know, anything from Eurythmics to Depeche Mode to Aha, I adored. Went through a massive Bowie phase, um, and I do like, I mean, I, you know, I'll, I'll, I make playlists for Alice. In the old days, obviously, we used to make each other cassettes, didn't we? Well, I now that um, iPhones are, are in, you can just make a playlist for, for someone. So I do, rem- and I remember making CDs for your car of stuff I yeah, knew yeah. you liked, but Alice has sung all her life and performed, so you're much more. Yeah, but my music um, is even, I mean, I am a little older than Claire, but even, so, I, I always liked music from the past, so the music I know is sort of 60s and 70s, even though that wasn't when I was a grown-up, I mean, I was, I was born in 62, but I, so I, it, my music is even older, so the, the gap between our knowledge of music is is quite wide actually. I mean, I was never into eighties music. I, when in the eighties, I was into sixties music. So, our our music tastes are quite different. And Claire seriously hardly knew what a musical was when we got together. And I'm a massive musicals fan. 
So I've been educating her for the last 18 years and taking you to shows, which I love doing because yeah. you always enjoy it, don't yeah. you? I knew what I knew Andrew Lloyd Webber's musical, so I just didn't yeah, know. Yeah, she didn't it. really know anything else about them. <laughs> favourite musical, Alice? Mm? Have you got a favourite musical? Oh, I mean, just from a purely musical sense, I don't think you can beat West Side Story, but that's such a common answer. I, I mean, but I, I just don't think you can. I mean, that Bernstein music is so, so fantastic. Um, I don't think you can beat that. But I, I'm a great Stephen Sondheim fan as well, so I, I really love, love nearly every musical that, that he's done. You mentioned an age gap. We've got a bigger one. Yours is what, 10 years? Ours eight is years. Eight years, eight. I think. Ours is what, 14? 16. 16? You're kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, before we met, Tiggy's grand grandmother said, what you need is an older man. So, uh, and it seemed okay then. But now as time has rolled on and my 76th birthday is coming up, and I've had a few health issues along the way. So I worry about being a burden on Tiggy. Um, and do you, do you worry about that at all, that you might be a burden on Claire because you'll be older before she is, or you just don't think about it? No. Well, I'm fitter than she is anyway. And also, You're well, I was fitter. before I did my ankle in. No, you, <laughs> no, you know, you can run. But I don't think that necessarily means you're fitter. I could walk no, all that, day. All right, that, that might be true. But I have no worries about being burden on Claire because I absolutely know that she it will be a useless nurse if I got ill. Absolutely useless. She'd manage for about a day and then she would pay someone to do it. And uh, we've been. She's been quite clear about it. I have. Um, she I won't said, do it herself. In, in our in our vows, didn't I say along the lines of "I will provide care for you"? <laughs> yes, not "I will care for you." It was "I will provide it." So um, yeah, I've I've no no thoughts whatsoever that that Claire will look after me. But the the good thing is, this sounds really morbid, but the good thing is that I'm pretty sure I will go before her. And that's great, because then I'll never have to live without her. That's very selfish, but I do think that. Yes, I, I've had similar thoughts. I mean, we don't know what will happen. I've often said you're going to exhaust me so much that I'll go before <laughs> you. Have you two, I've heard, Alice, you on the dog cast, have you two ever thought about doing something together? I only say that because suddenly we're doing something together. And has it ever crossed your mind? You're both broadcasters. We did do, we did a pitch, do you remember the thing where we had to build a tent in the garden? Oh, that was awful. I know. <laughs> we, did, disaster. we did do a rather disastrous pitch against our better judgment, I think. They gave it, us a tent to build in the garden with no instructions. And after about half an hour, we just got so, we couldn't do it. And we were so bored of it. We just sat down and said, I can't even remember what it was for. It was for a programme. I do know what it was for. It was for a travel programme, which would be for, I mean, we, you know, we'd have fun travelling together the the well the difficulty always was we had a dog so Archie was with us for 15 and a half years and there's no way that we could have both been away for any length of time we wouldn't have we wouldn't have left him with other people um and that kind of limited it didn't limit mm. the set we could have done it on radio actually but we've never you know what it's like you know until the opportunity arises you don't even realize it's I mean dog cast Alice wasn't meant to be on dog cast but then log, lockdown happened first lockdown and so I said to her, well, you better do this with me because, you know, I can't really go out and talk to anyone else. So she went, oh, if I have to. 
and then and then was really funny and everybody loved her and was much better than me so yeah no but That's i think true. um if as claire said some really interesting you know kind of travel thing or something and we were asked we were someone did have a plan for us to do to go round the world in 80 days but in opposite directions and then we'd meet at the end and we went well no because then we won't see each other for 80 days that's certainly not going to happen so yeah. <laughs> but uh, as i say if a really interesting proposal came up um that was the right thing and we both were excited by it then uh, then we wouldn't have any worries about working together, would no, we? No, we'd work, we'd work well together. But before lockdown, Claire, I mean, you were so busy doing stuff. I'm a big fan of ramblings. So you're doing ramblings, you're doing Radio 2 Sunday mornings for a while, you've got all the TV. So you must have been separated for a lot. Now, you don't want to be apart for 80 days, but separations of work, do you find that difficult or is it actually good for the relationship to be apart from each other for a bit? I, I don't like it and I get I used to get very homesick but actually FaceTime has made a big difference and being able to see each other. So when I was doing the Winter Olympics in Sochi, I was on the evening shift and I'd take myself off for a walk every morning down by the Black Sea and it was really warm there. It was the warmest Winter Olympics ever. It was gorgeous. But I suddenly realised that was the key to me feeling okay because when I was walking, I had a little MiFi thing. So on Wi-Fi, I could call Alice um, and just talk to her while I was walking by the sea, and that was that. That kind of did it for me. That made it much much better. Um, and the same. Where was the other one where I FaceTimed a lot? Um, Rio, probably. Oh, Rio, yeah. yeah. Um, so that that does make things better. Alice came to one Olympics in Athens, um, and you did you get? We couldn't get tickets for anything in London, could we? So you didn't come. But no. we went to the rehearsal for the opening ceremony. Mm, um, but essentially, you know, my our attitude both is when I'm working, I'm working, um, and the same way when she does magic at the musicals, I go, but I go as a guest of somebody else. I don't muck about while she's on air, so I don't see you the whole time. No. I, I watch the show, which is lovely. So we get the benefits of both of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we have put up with a lot of time away from each other and we put up with it. I don't think it's a huge plus, although I think sometimes I do annoy you and it's better <laughs> if I go away for a while. I mean, you know, if she's out for the day or going off to do women's football or whatever for the day, it's fine. The, the Olympics and Paralympics, those years when she's away for you know three and a half weeks, comes back for a week and is then away for another two and a half weeks. I mean, lots of couples have to put up with much more than this, but we don't like that. Mm. That is that that is definitely not fun. We don't like being apart. You know, the odd night or two is fine. A, a block of three weeks or something is really tough. It must be weird when you go out together, though, because Claire is so recognisable now that people want to talk to Claire and kind of monopolise her time. And what happens to you, Alice? Do you resent that ever, or you've just got used to it? No, I think it's a, I think it's a question of timing and where we are and the situation. And mostly, as Claire said, people are lovely. Um, there's a time and a place for it. And, and, and sometimes if people are drunk and leery, I'll get Claire out of the situation, which she can't do, you know. It's, she can't extricate herself in the same way that I can extricate her. So um, 
I can do that. Um, it's it's most of the time people are lovely. Most, of, I mean, you know, there are a few occasions where you think actually this is a bit inappropriate. Um, we are queuing for the loo or something. <laughs> you know, could kind of leave it alone. But by and large, people are people are lovely, and it, and it's it's fine. I'm very um, defensive with regards to Johnny. If he's ever interviewed with somebody and somebody does a, you know, a bombshell of a question, which is really a mean question, I'm very, very protective and I don't forgive. Are, are you, do you have that sort of same Rottweilerish protection of Claire? Uh, yes. Um, I've been known to have a go on social media, which Claire doesn't look at uh, quite rightly. Uh, when she's doing a say a series of programs of Wimbledon or something, but I will I will fight back if I think something is unfair. Um, not just not just people who are homophobic and horrible, which there are, and I just report them, and Claire doesn't even need to know about it. But if someone says something I strongly disagree with that's incorrect, I will fight back. I will. I mean, I you know she's my wife, and I I think that's part of my job and uh, and duty, and I will do it. She quite often talks about, she says, I'll get them, I'll get them, I'll bot them on the nose. And, you know, she's only little, so the idea of it is quite comical. It's not physical, but I will do it with words. If I think Claire's being unfairly attacked, I will defend her. Good. With my life. If you had to dedicate one song to Claire, what would it be? Well, you did. I have thought about this. Um, I would dedicate uh, Bob Dylan's Make You Feel My Love and I would do it uh, the Adele version of, of that because I think she does that absolutely beautifully and that's what I would dedicate. And I would go for Billy Joel, She's Got Away. Do you know that song? It's lovely. Yeah. Beautiful. It was one of your Desert Island discs, wasn't it? Yes. As was Black Beauty. Yes. <laughs> Not dedicating that to me. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us on, on this podcast. It's been fascinating. I think it's always fascinating to get couples together and, and just you find out about uh, a lot about people from um, their relationship together, I think. You have a lovely, lovely energy and dynamic together. I have to say that. Oh, that's nice. Well, it's it, you know we we know each other pretty well. We were we were watching a film the other day, and it was about a lesbian couple, and we're going, "This is so unrealistic. They're not talking. How can they not talk?" <laughs> we talk all the time. Yeah, we we communicate fairly well, but actually, we don't often publicly talk in detail about our relationship. So no. Um, well, we're very grateful to you talking to us today. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Claire, very quickly, you've got a new book coming out. I have. I've got a book coming out on April the 15th called Fall Off, Get Back On, Keep Going. And it's aimed at kids around that sort of nine, ten-year-old age group. I think just when they start to get a little unsure, and it's quite often to do with moving school, and they go from being free and easy and not at all self-conscious to suddenly going, oh... How am I meant to fit in and worrying about fitting in? So it's um, it's a sort of to try and counterbalance that and teach them about courage and kindness and resilience and stickability and all those things. And basically, I did a lot of falling off. So it's getting back. But on we just got important. the first copy through mm. the and it looks fantastic. It's got great drawings, mm. um, great, great illustrations done by Jessica Holm, who presents it does uh, crafts craft, with me does crafts, mm. but she's a fantastic artist and it's a it's a really lovely sort of bold you know it's not 
heavily text bound, although there's a fair amount of text, but it's pictures and cartoons and and mm. sayings and and fun. lots of stuff about sports people who I've you know or people I admire and what they've said in certain situations. So it's kind of drawing on that a lot as well as my experience. And just a quick mention: our partners are Velvetizer by Hotel Chocolat, and they offered you a Velvetizer. You turned that one down, but you've had something else instead. Is that right? We are getting something. They're going to send us uh, beauty products. Like I think they make um, from their cocoa beans and things. They make um, hand lotions and I don't know what they and send masks, us. And masks, I think. And uh, something well, that actually, they use in very their lovely hotel. The money that would have gone towards your velvetizer was gone towards their charity, which is a charity in St Lucia supporting <laughs> uh, people setting up their, their cocoa groves. They're, they've done great work out there. So, Well, we're meant to be in St Lucia right now. Mm. Oh, well, next time you do go to St. Lucia, if you do get back there, go and check check them out. We just keep booking them until they, you know, until we are allowed to go. <laughs> we book them, cancel, book them, cancel. But yeah. Thank you again very much indeed for your time. Thank um, you so much for asking us. We loved it. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Wow, they were just amazing takes. Johnny, they were just gorgeous. Yeah. I feel really nourished by talking to those two. Yeah. And I think Alice, isn't she just the most wonderful wife? Yeah. She's so supportive. She's so loyal. Uh, they were just a beautiful couple together. Yeah. Yeah, no, they really, they've got a lovely relationship. Claire said, you know, we don't often talk about our lives publicly. <clears throat> so I'm very grateful to them. That was fascinating. And you know what? I mean, it's the same with other couples we've spoken to. I recognise things in them that are happen with us, and I guess good couples are, have many universal themes. But they have such a good time together, yeah. and we have such a good time together. Yeah. And it's just, it's you can see that, can't you? That there's no um, tension. They just, they just embrace life and, yeah. and go for it. Well, we will. You've been listening to Johnny and Tiggy Walker consciously coupling with Claire Balding and Alice Arnold. And we thank our partners who are the Velvetizer from Hotel Chocolat. They provide barista grade hot chocolate at home. And um, I had mine this afternoon. I, you know, I have a couple every day now, they're fantastic. Anyway, it was lovely to meet them. Thanks, Johnny. Thank you, Tiggy. <laughs> and uh, join us next time. Follow us on our social medias as uh, Tiggy Walker on Instagram and Twitter. I'm Pirate JW on Twitter. And uh, join us for the next edition of Johnny and Tiggy Walker Consciously Coupling. Uh, see you next time. Mm-hmm.